This is an excellent shirt, by the way. I've got one of those. If this is your shirt. That's my shirt. It is. Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find us on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. You can find us coming through your speakers right now. Well, another unbelievable, crazy week of college basketball. And if you haven't followed this pod yet, and you love that type of stuff, the off the wall, the wild, the wacky, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Please subscribe, five-star review, et cetera. And we're going to get right into it. But you know who i got to bring in? KSD from at Pregame Empire on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. And KSD, we're four weeks out from Selection Sunday, which is kind of unbelievable. And according to CBS, approximately 270 <laughs> Blue Bloods are in trouble of missing the tournament. It's funny because that's where I was wanted to, to, to begin with this um, this week. Yeah, a couple hours ago, I saw quite possibly the craziest uh, college sports-related graphic I have ever seen on uh, on my TV. So during the uh, the artistic masterpiece that was Michigan State, what was it, like 61-41 to 41 against Ohio State, like a just horrendous basketball game. Towards the end of the first half, CBS wanted to, to let the viewers know that, you know, some uh, – some some blue some major quote fingers here. Blue bloods are uh, are are having some uh, some struggles this season. Now there's there's two two big takeaways from this graphic. Is one never in a million years could you guess the four schools they were referring to? Um, because well, well, what's actually funny about this is there are actually three blue bloods who are struggling, right? Like so, right. You know, every, everybody pretty much. Pretty much agrees that the 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 four the four blue bloods in college basketball are Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke. UCLA is kind of in that next tier, and then you know from there you know there, there's a lot of debate. But um, and this is not I don't want to spend time discussing who is and who isn't a blue blood. But the blue bloods that CBS wanted to highlight as struggling are. Wisconsin, Villanova, Syracuse, and Louisville. Like, let, let me repeat that. They they said these blue bloods are Wisconsin, Villanova, Syracuse, and Louisville. Now, again, like I just mentioned, Kansas is, is in the top ten and is in position to to contend for a number one seed. But Duke is, you know, they're going to make the tournament most likely. They're struggling by Duke standards. You know, they're kind of along the six, seven, eight type seed line. Carolina is, you know, one of the last four in, last four buys. You know, it depends on where you look. Type, uh, type range. They'll probably end up making the tournament, but they're, you know, not having a typical Carolina year. Kentucky just lost to Georgia and has probably eliminated all chance of themselves making the tournament. And yet, CBS wanted to highlight those four, the other, those four that I previously mentioned as struggling blue bloods. You know who's in trouble, according to this graphic, Louisville. <laughs> It's it's a coin flip of whether they're going to make the tournament. Currently, they're three and twenty-two, ranked three hundred thirty-one in the net. They are in. I would say that that graphic is true. They are in trouble. Yes. Well, that, that, that's that's what I wanted to mention tournament. too about this graphic because this this graphic is hilarious because yes, the 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 insinuation is that like you know three out like these these teams are you know close to the tournament picture, but you know maybe not quite there. Or they have a lot of work to do to get there. So again, to, to, we're talking about Wisconsin, Villanova, Syracuse, and Louisville, the bluest of the blue bloods in college basketball. Here, this is this is how the graphic reads. So in in this order, it lists record and net ranking. So it has Wisconsin fourteen and ten, Villanova twelve and thirteen, Syracuse fifteen and ten, 
Louisville three and twenty-two. And then it listed that ranking. Wisconsin eighty. Villanova eighty-five. Syracuse ninety-eight. Louisville three thirty-one. I mean, <laughs> like it seems like every you know it's I, I feel bad to continue to talk about Louisville because like there's just nothing else to say than just like this is a historically bad year all-time historically bad year for a team that's or a program that's you know one of the the elite but not quite blue blood you know in the sport but like my god I haven't seen anything that maybe summed it up worse than this well yeah I mean it was a crazy graphic I have no idea who is in charge of their graphics <laughs> department obviously but I guess if they wanted to get people talking, sure, they they mission accomplished by there isn't there some internet law or some theory by the internet where if you want to know the answer to something, all you have to do is go online and state the wrong answer and people will just come out in droves yeah. to tell you the right. I guess maybe that's what well, they were doing. They really wanted to find out I, who the true blue bloods were, so they went on and, and put actually, this graphic up. So it actually is hilarious because kind of going along with that, because I, I did tweet this graphic just to just just because of the absurdity of it. And um, the replies have been very interesting because there I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of, oh, well, you know, there, I, I see zero blue bloods on here, which which is, again, the correct take is mm-hmm. there's not a single blue blood listed. But there are people who are trying to defend the inclusion of some of these schools. You know, there's people, a lot of people saying, oh, well, I see three blue bloods or, oh, Villanova's not that far off or. But the craziest thing to me is there are people legitimately in my mentions right now as we're talking, arguing for Wisconsin as a blue blood because they've been to the tournament like 22 of the last 23 tournaments or something like that. That is seriously happening right now on on Twitter. I'm sure there's somebody, some G5 school that you could probably say that about, like Vermont, you know, or something. Some, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah. they've there's, been to the tournament, you know, 20 of 21 years or, or something like that. I mean, but I mean. Like maybe maybe some point like over the offseason we can go through this. Like I don't know where Wisconsin falls in like the like the all time you know programs in college basketball history. Like I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm not sure they're even in the top twenty five. Like I mean, they could be. Again, this is just without doing any research, any real thought about it. Like in my head, I'm like, is that even a top twenty five program? I mean, probably, but like the fact that it's a question is is make, just makes this graphic even more insane. Yeah, I would say off the top of my head, I I would have maybe put them 40. And that's, again, no research, like you said. <laughs> it, it, they're down there. They're definitely not like yeah, top I mean, 10 or top think, five. Yeah, I mean, I think they have a case for maybe top 20 at the worst, probably top 25. But like they are nowhere close to any sort of elite status or like, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe they're having a year where they're, like, on the bubble, you know, kind right. of kind of conversation <laughs> like CBS is trying to make here. So, I mean, that's just – I don't know. I mean, I, I like, this is this is something that's going to stick with me for a, for a long time, I think. I just cannot believe that this is something I had to to discuss today. Um, but can, can, we, can we talk about a couple of these Blue Bloods real quick? Because there were a couple of them that did interesting things this weekend um and i kind of highlighted it one already the first i'll just let's let's get the bad out of the way and then talk about the interesting my, i mean my god kentucky like <laughs> I, I don't really know what else to say because i mean you know, obviously the the struggles have been well documented and i mean like th- this has to be the nail in the coffin right like you go go to georgia and pretty i mean get pretty well worked i mean i know like it wasn't a you know, terrible final score where they lose by like eight or something. But I mean, mm-hmm. it was a pretty, it was a pretty thorough working yesterday at Georgia. And 
I want to pose the question because I have heard this brought up, and this was brought up in like December when they started struggling and everybody thought they would come back. Has there ever been a team, especially since the tournament expanded, so since like especially since the mid '80s, but really just in general, who returned the National Player of the Year and then missed the tournament? Oh, geez, I didn't even think about like, that. That's insane to think about. Like Oscar Sheway was far and away the National Player of the Year last year. There wasn't really much debate. He comes. He's the first National Player of the Year to return since Tyler Hansbro. And remember, Tyler Hansborough returned and won the national championship. Right. And Oscar is <laughs> going to return. Like, like Carolina was wire to wire number one that year, had like the most dominant NCAA tournament run maybe ever. Yeah. You know, lost like three games and won the national championship. Oscar Sheeway comes back and Kentucky is likely eliminated before mid February. Well, First off, little asterisk, we are actually not blaming it on Oscar Sheebway, of course. Oh, definitely, def- definitely not. <laughs> but it is fun, like, exercise to think about. I can't think of any off the top of my head. We'll probably have to do – get get pipeline stats and info research <laughs> on it because I'm sure they'll they'll come up with the right answer. But absolutely, to your point, it I don't know where they go from here. You know, Calipari's buyout is approximately $3 trillion. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, if Shibway had, you know, hindsight, maybe he just declares. And I don't I don't think he necessarily hurt his draft stock that much this year. But it's just you're not going to be featured in the March Madness when every kind of all eyes are on on you or whatever. But, yeah, man, so it's, I'm, so I'm, look, it, I, I'm looking at the National Player of the Year list here. And I mean, number one, just there's just not a whole lot of these guys who've returned. Right, you know, of course. To, yeah. To college anyway. I, I mean, you know, some of the names. I mean, I, I mentioned that no, nobody had returned since Tyler Hansbro, but so some of the names kind of between that then and the 80s, you got like, you know, Kevin Durant, JJ Reddick, Andrew Bogut, you know, Jameer Nelson, TJ Ford. Like, you know, you got, you got guys like, uh, like, like that, you know, who, who led teams with good runs. Jay Williams, Shane Battier, Kenya Martin, Elton Brand, Antoine Jameson, Tim Duncan, Marcus Camby, Joe Smith. Like, None of these dudes, like again, most of these dudes didn't come back, and I'm like, I, I don't, and, and I, there isn't a single season on top of my head. I don't think any of these guys missed the tournament, let alone missed the tournament after winning Player of the Year. Right, and most of those guys, to your point, not only did not come back, they were lottery picks. So yeah, uh, the list has got to be small. <laughs> I mean, we probably have to go back pretty far, you know, beyond when they expanded some, the tournament. That's it. Yeah, probably some, crops I, up then, you know, but yeah. Like I'm sure, I'm sure somebody like you know, in like the '60s or whatever, right. you know, miss miss the tournament. But yeah, I mean, just looking at like the the Naismith winners here, I mean, it's just yeah, there's some. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's, I don't know how it's possible, but yeah, I mean, it's going it's going to happen, right? Like, I mean, I think we've all pretty much just decided it's going to happen at this point. Um, but let, let's I want to talk about the other blue button. It did something interesting yesterday, and can we talk about uh, for the first time in recorded history? A refereeing decision went against Duke. <laughs> well, a lot of sleepless nights possible. on this one. A lot of sleepless nights on this. So, if you didn't catch it, what KSD is referring to is Duke at UVA, game tied. If nothing happens. It's going to go into overtime. Filipowski for Duke is fouled, but then the refs rule that it is after the foul and it doesn't count, which actually isn't the rule. And the rules said it, it should have counted. He should have had two free throws. All he would have had to do is make one to win the game. Duke goes on to lose in overtime. Hats off to all those Wahoo fans 
who took UVA minus six and a half and got the miracle covering over time. <laughs> well, <laughs> but to your okay, so point, this, this... <laughs> there were so many Duke fans on Twitter complaining, and man, the rest of the entire NCAA was just having a go at it and laughing because, yes, all the well, you know, however long Coach K was there, in general. If we give you a truth serum and you're a Duke fan, you will say the calls go your way. And then this time they didn't. Well, so first of all, I mean, we all know, right, that if Coach K is coaching this game, there's just no chance that happens. No I, I mean, chance. I, I, like I that, agree that, that, wholeheartedly. That, there's nobody on earth who, with a straight face could sit there and say that they would have changed that call if Coach K is coaching this game. Whether the call is right or wrong, Duke would have been shooting free throws. Now, I, I do want to break this play down in depth because there, there were – this is going to sound weird to say, but there are things the refs got wrong and got right in this play. And I don't think any of it is what people are thinking as far as what they got wrong and right. Mm -hmm. So first of all, Tyrese Proctor on the inbounds pass takes like seven seconds. Like it's very <laughs> like, it was, he took a long time to get the ball in. Yeah, like it yeah. should have been a five second call. If any, so there's one thing the refs got wrong that nobody's really talking about. Number two, this isn't the refs, but just kind of going in chronological order of the play here. Tony Bennett, you know, again, Everybody wants to talk about you know, he's a great defensive coach, and I'm not going to say he's not, but everybody's like, oh, he's the greatest defensive coach in the history of basketball. You know, he's such an amazing coach. You know, it's blah, blah, blah. You can't hold the fact that Virginia always loses early in the NCAA tournament against him. Spoiler, I very much do because it's, because it's a direct result of his stupid playing style. Everybody says that, and then his team pretty much breaks the cardinal sin of late game uh, inbounds defense in the, like, you know, in the half court. Like, the number one thing you want to do defensively in this situation is make somebody catch the ball as they're running towards half court. Mm -hmm. The number one thing you don't want to do is let somebody catch the ball as they're running towards the basket, whether they are guarded or not. And they let Kyle Filipowski completely unguarded just run towards the basket and catch this ball. So that, that's a little aside from the refs. Back, back to the refs here. The thing the refs got right was that the foul was not on Reese Beekman at the top, you know, at the, at the apex of the dunk attempt here. Like mm -hmm. he got all ball. Like, I don't care what Duke fans say. I don't care what screenshots they said. He got all ball. Now he did very much hip check Filipowski just like straight into the ribs. Like, and I'm not saying it was malicious or anything like that, but like there was a lot of body contact and yes, it was a foul. They got that part, right? There was a foul. The foul was not where everybody thought the foul was. But there was a foul, and there was clearly 0.2 seconds left. I don't really see any point in arguing this. But the big point is the refs got, like, a thing right here, pretty much everything else wrong. And But it's, but the thing they got right is not the thing people think they got right. Like, there's a, it's, it's so convoluted, but, yeah, big miss on their part. Can't really say I'm mad at it, though, because, I mean, again, like we mentioned, Duke had, like, 40 years of this going their way. <laughs> As Virginia fans reminded me last night, like, there was one of these that pretty much directly impacted a Duke Virginia game. You remember, I think this was twenty, it was twenty fifteen or mm -hmm. sixteen. Grayson Allen hits the buzzer beating kind of wild floater in Cameron to beat Virginia, where he one took three steps and then came down to the floor before he released the ball. So he traveled twice on that play, didn't call it. Duke beats Virginia at the buzzer. So I don't know, man. It's, it's we've seen it before. Yeah, so to your point about Coach K being there, the fouls called one thousand percent of the time. Agree wholeheartedly. It reminded me, if you remember the movie Jerry Maguire, and when <laughs> yeah. uh, Jerry Maguire, he's talking to the Cardinals owner, and he's like, look, I need you to do me a favor, because he's lost all his clients except for Rod Tidwell. And then the owner says, 
hey, you drove prices up on me for years. Now it's your time to spend time at the back of the line. And he hangs up on him. <laughs> That's what this reminded me of. Like, hey, you've gotten these foul calls for years. Now it's your time <laughs> to uh, go to, have to go to Twitter to cry the rest of the night because you, you lost on, on seemingly a bad call. Can we, uh, can we do a little bit of a podcast breaking news here? Northwestern's up by three on Purdue with 30 seconds left. I don't know if anybody else is watching, uh, you know, on tape delay here as this comes out on Monday, but <laughs> we should just point this out while, uh, while, while we're talking. Yeah. I, uh, I just won't get over the fact that, you know, it's the, I've seen kind of seen this all year, but yesterday was like the definitive proof of it being a new era at Duke because there's just no chance they ever lose that game with K on the sidelines. Agreed. And, you know, we're talking about buzzer beaters or in this case, lack thereof one. <laughs> There were a couple this week that were pretty amazing. And oh, yeah. KSD, I, these these are the types of gems that we love to cover on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast. Things that you're not going to see elsewhere, maybe not hear about. And, of course, we're talking about Portland State versus Northern Arizona. Everyone was tuned in for this <laughs> one. So, Northern Arizona up 87-86, seconds left. Portland State inbounding the ball, which people will sometimes say, hey, we, we should do like the NBA, and you call a timeout, you get to advance to the half court. No, no, I don't Absolutely like that rule. Not. I, I love Absolutely this not. because this type of thing is, is where this comes into play. This is where it comes to life, in which Portland State throws a Hail Mary, <laughs> of course. KSD, this thing had to have snow on it. I've never seen a ball go this high. It had to scrape the rafters. It was just this – huge rainbow all the way down in which Portland State catches it, just catches it, falls back, and shoots it and makes it. What an unbelievable buzzer beater. I love how um, – so, first of all, on the the first shot that Northern Arizona hits, uh, hit the three to, to take the lead with 0.4 seconds left, a couple of, uh, of notes on that. First of all, that was Tommy Lloyd's son who hit that shot, Arizona head coach Tommy Lloyd, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, number two – Shout out to whoever was on play-by-play for this game because you know, naturally that shot happens. The clock hits triple zeros. They review and put the and put the time on the clock for Portland State's miracle heave. That guy basically called two game-winning buzzer beaters. I don't know how his heart is still working or his voice <laughs> is still working today because he was electric, like you know, very Gus Johnson-like on both of those calls, like just absolute beautiful calls of that game. So that guy really is the real MVP of uh, of that back and forth buzzer back-to-back buzzer beater uh, affair. Level of difficulty on this one. This, I mean, we're talking, we're scraping 10.0 here because, hey, you don't have a lot. It's just a catch and shoot. You don't have any dribbling time or turnaround or anything. like. But you got to go the length of the court for just basically a tip in almost. I mean, you're falling down and you bank it in. Just an incredible buzzer beater shot. But then let's go. We we rarely (laughs) do this. Let's go to the women's game. And last week we talked about the Tennessee-Auburn game, and, and you correctly stated it was probably the worst call of the year as far from a referee. They didn't call a foul. This might have been – this might have usurped it. Now, the refs ended up reviewing it and getting it right. But if we're, if we're talking about – we're, we're talking about Sienna and Elisa Mevius. I might have her name wrong, so forgive me if I do. But Elisa Mevius for Sienna hits a half-court shot to win the game – Here's the crazy part, KSD. <laughs> she lets the ball go with approximately two seconds left. Two seconds. The ball travels all the way down. 
is going through the rim. I mean, going, you know, going through the hoop about the time the buzzer goes off, the ref waves it off. I've <laughs> never seen a worse call. Now they <laughs> reviewed it and got it right. But the ref just running up, waving, I, like it made me think, what is this hockey? I mean, it's got to go through yeah. the net or something before that's, <laughs> it counts. That's the only that's the only logical explanation I have for this. Because, yeah, like you said, she clearly shoots it with, like, two seconds left. Like, it's not even close. But also, too, if you watch the ref in the corner on this video, he initially goes to put, you know, to signal the three-pointer and then, like, was like, wait a second. Like, like it seems like he, like, just wasn't – like, had no idea what to do in the moment and, like, just completely blanked on the rule because – <laughs> he did. His initial instinct was to call it a good three, and that would have been the correct instinct because it was clearly a good three. And then was like, nope, nope, whoa, 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 whoa. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how he got to this conclusion. It was wild. It was funny. I mean, it was almost like you saw him pull out a a rule book out of his pocket, and he's like, wait a minute, was that good or bad? You know, I don't know what the rule is for. <laughs> it's my first. It's my first refing gig, so I'm just trying to to figure out the rules as we go, but really zany stuff. I'm making a news ticker sound. We have, we have breaking news on the pipeline award-winning podcast. Uh, Purdue has lost to Northwestern. Northwestern's actually good. We got to get the crying kid back to the NCAA tournament. I know we talked about this last week, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know what we got to do? We got to get the crying kid gift and we got to reverse it. So he, he, I don't know if there's enough, Footage of him starting to cry, but him going backward and he sucks all his tears back in. Because you're right, Northwestern probably a tournament team at this point. That today probably clinched it. Yeah. Now, shameless plug, if you were on our Discord, I said Northwestern plus four and a half. I love them today in our in our betting section. But they went a step further and won outright against Zach Eady and the Flying Boilermakers. Player of the year. Speaking of players of the year, North, Zach Eady. Northwest Northwestern just stormed the court, and Chase Audige from Northwestern just took his jersey off. He's swinging it around his head, Petey Pablo style. So uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is awesome. I, can, can I we, actually took we, look. Can, wait, can, I, wait, really quickly. I actually took the over of Petey Pablo references in the pod, so <laughs> it just hit. Long shot was plus eight hundred, eight to one, but there it is, paying Man. off. More more great tips by me, I guess. Can we continue the buzzer beater train here? Because nobody in college basketball had a worse week than Tennessee this week. <laughs> um, like this just, I mean, just the most unfortunate series of events for them. So 0-2 week for Tennessee at Vanderbilt on Wednesday night. Um, and and 0-2 in almost the exact same fashion. Because here's here's what happened to for them to lose these games this week. So at Vanderbilt, Wednesday night, Santiago Vescovi, who is a senior, one of the best shooters in the country, great free throw shooter. I don't I don't have his stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's like 85% or higher from the line. So, you know, the guy you want to be taking free throws at the end of a game, right? And 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 again, the point of this is not to to talk bad on him or bash him in any way. But Santiago Vescovi goes to the line. Yeah, with the with like six seconds left for Tennessee against Vanderbilt. Tennessee's up by two. He misses the front end of the one and one. Vanderbilt comes down, gets a a quarter three off, just an incredible kickout pass. Also, just great play call by Jerry Stackhouse to win at the buzzer. Fast forward to Saturday, kind of a little a little bit crazier uh, way to get there, but very similar way to get there for Tennessee at home against Mizzou. So, Mizzou has the ball down by three. 
And, you know, I'm not going to get into the foul versus no foul debate. I do agree. And Damian Fishback said this on the game. I actually do agree with him. Just do what you practice. You know, if, mm-hmm. you, if you if you practice fouling, you foul. If you practice playing it out, you play it out. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So Tennessee fouls up three with four seconds left. Again, that's probably in the sweet spot if you're going to do it. I know we talked about Florida State's insta loss this season by fouling yeah. up three with like 10 seconds left. I mean, this this is going to become an insta loss. But like, I do think from the timing of the foul, that's pretty accurate on when you should do it. Mizzou also um, misses the first free throw here. This is a key. Another key to this is again, they missed the first first free throw, so they're still down by by three. Mm-hmm. Hits the second on the double bonus to cut it to two. Okay, so there's four seconds left. Mizzou down by two. Tennessee with the ball going the length of the floor. Nick Honor fouls Santi Vescovi again. Vescovi shooting up to uh, you know late game situation. But he fouls, fouls it with no time coming off the clock. I honestly don't even think he meant to foul him. They actually reviewed for a hook and hold. It was kind of a weird situation. Vescovy misses the front end. A, or Sorry, misses. it was a double bonus. He misses the first one. Mm-hmm. They call a rebounding foul on the second one, which I thought was weird because, um, like, I don't think they, the refs got this right because I think Mizzou should have been shooting free throws. But, you know, that's, that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. <laughs> you know, there was going to be a rebounding foul. I thought it was a lane violation, but again, the announcer said it was a foul. Who who really knows? Important thing is here, which also Vescovy missed both free throws anyways, but this gives Mizzou the ball out of bounds. You know, they don't have to try to come off the rebound here. Out of bounds, no timeouts left. They shoot a three-point floater from, you know, inside half court, nothing but net. Again, goes from down two to up one at the buzzer to win. So Tennessee lost this week two games in which they were up two shooting free throws to put it away with like five seconds left. I would have loved to seen those win probability charts because I'm sure it had one of those classic plummeting, you know, what are you, you're at like 98% yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And speaking of, we had, I did see on Twitter that someone called it karma for not getting the foul called on the Auburn game, the aforementioned Auburn game <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Come back and lose in brutal fashion. That is the last time Tennessee's won was that Auburn game. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, the one thing, as far as the first game, that they missed the one-and-one one against Vandy. To me, it's like, just dunk the ball, and you're up four. Yeah, they get the ball back, but up four is better than up two yeah. having to shoot free throws. But, of course, that's neither here nor there. I just think sometimes we yeah, overthink about wasting the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's such a hard situation because, like, it's one of those where, yeah, I mean, if they just lay, like, if, was it Julian, Julian Phillips, I think was who it was, who had, like, you know, the decision of do I just take the wide open layup that stops the clock and gives them the ball back, or do I try to dribble it out, run a few more seconds off, and then shoot free throws? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a tough situation to be in, you know, because, because like I mentioned, if you if you shoot the layup, you're stopping the clock, like, two or three seconds sooner, but... But also, yeah, there's a chance you missed the free throws. So, I don't know. I don't. The decision to not shoot the layup or dunk it, I don't think is is not why they lost. But yeah, I mean, well, right. I just think it just for me. That's why I just take the points. Those are free points I versus mean, putting pressure on yourself. I mean, really, in both of those games, though, they had to do about four things wrong in order to lose, right. and, and they and they and they did all eight combined of those things in both games. <laughs> Bad at a thousand. Well. Let's think back to college football season. We're going to do a little bit of getting time machine and go back. We had quite a bit of mascot nanigans in the college football season case. And we covered a lot of them. But I think this might be the first time of we've had cheerleader nanigans. 
And we had it a couple <laughs> times this week. And from pretty far ends of the earth, I mean, maybe games you're not necessarily watching or glued to your seat unless you're probably an alum. The first one we had UAPB versus Jackson State. And <laughs> one of the male cheerleaders, I only hope that he had money on this game because he slides under. The, the ref gives the ball, going to shoot free throws in a, in a tight game. Late, It was um, – <laughs> It was Jackson State was up 81-79 over UAPB. The ref gives him the ball. The cheerleader slides directly into his line of vision. So, I mean, he's like under the basket. He's out of bounds, <laughs> but he's under the basket. Just <laughs> wiggling and jiggling and, and like trying to get him like to distract. The ref gets, you know, it's like, hey, you can't do that and all that stuff and moves him and <laughs> chastises him. The cheerleader's upset. He's visibly upset. I'm like, why don't why aren't you listening to the Pipeline Award winning podcast? That is a perfect time to pull your pants down and sway back and forth. If yeah. we learned anything from Valpo, that's what we learned, right? Maybe you're wearing bikinis. I don't know, but use your did, head, man. Use your head. Did that guy think nobody would notice? Like, that's my serious <laughs> question here because, like, he just so casually walks right in front of the basket. Like, he's literally like. When the ball goes through the net, he could just catch it. Like that's basically where he's standing. Like, and he just casually, he just casually walks under there, like he's supposed to be there. Like I don't understand how he thought nobody would notice. Like he literally could have just started shaking the basket if he wanted to. That's basically where he was standing. I, I, I need, I need to hear his thought process of why he did that and like thought like, yeah, that's just cool. Yeah, we should. I wish we could somehow track him down and get him on the pod because it was pretty funny. And then. For him to be incensed that he got called down and then told to yeah, like he was so bad. <laughs> told you, hey, you can't do that. Like, what? When did this happen? When? When, when can you not directly? You know, he had very the... much like a. It was very much like a. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Like yeah, exactly. reaction from like from this dude. Like, I yeah. I I I I I don't understand the thought process. I I think I understand the thought process of the uh, Mississippi Valley State girl that got ejected even less, because she was more or less like kind of jumping and kicking a player. <laughs> like I don't understand <laughs> what was going on here. Like so they're playing Alabama A and M. Um, you know that's a, a free th again. We have free throws taken, and Mississippi Valley State hits a free throw. Alabama a and taking the ball out. She jumps and actually and it kicks a player. Now, I think this is accidental. Like, she's not facing him. She kind of just didn't really know where she was and just hits the guy inbounding the ball. So, okay, that, that happens. Later later in the game, there's a ball that goes out of bounds. She walks up to the same player, like, walks onto the court, like, after the ball goes out of bounds. It kind of pushes him. <laughs> like this part kind of looked very much like a you know you see it in a movie where like mm -hmm. the cheerleaders like the cheerleaders dating the star player and he did right. something she didn't like and she's you know she shows up in the middle of the game and walks onto the court and just decides that she's going to stop the game now and we're going to talk through it and maybe they break up maybe they don't i don't know you know it but it's a 10 minute dramatic you know movie scene and whatever you know stupid you know in, you know the kind of scene i'm talking about that like that's how she walked onto the court the second time and then and then miss i don't know who mr valley state's coach is but he had to go get the the, the, the this old ass police guy to just very slowly <laughs> walk over and be like oh excuse me miss we gotta we gotta get you out of here like it was just so bizarre like i mean i, I can at least understand the guy thinking like you know for the guy being like oh i'm gonna you know stand under the basket and help the team i, I don't know what this girl's end goal was yeah, 
that security guard, he probably hadn't moved from that chair in 30 years of service. And he was like, wait, wait, I don't even know what to do. I got to get up and go over and throw a cheerleader out of the game. That guy gets paid to like nap in that chair during during games. Exactly. Like he, yes, he, he he's at, like he was he's the kind of guy who he's he's been doing it for his entire like since he was about eighteen years old. He knows every single player and play in Mississippi Valley State of basketball history, and he's never once moved from that chair during a game ever. Probably had to put a bag of popcorn down to go, to actually get up <laughs> and do his job, but. It's like I'm, I'm with you. I think paid, I think he gets, that he movie gets paid in like free concessions for life. Like that's yeah, how exactly. they pay <laughs> And I'm with you. I think it's a it's a perfect movie. I don't know Hallmark, WB, something. Yeah, know, where like cheerleader stands on like up. C- CW or something. You know, standing yeah. by her man coming soon. Uh, <laughs> I hope I hope she had a prize picks on this guy, like some obscure prize picks, and she's. <laughs> <laughs> had the over she's, under she's on his total and she's just going to chew him out because that's always the best yeah, he, when fans do that. He went over on like his like 1.5 assist total or something. Like he was, he's a big guy. So exactly. like, you, you, were, you were supposed to only have a half of an assist or less. What are you doing? You cost me like a thousand dollars. That's the, that's the best explanation for this, but it, it really did feel like something straight out of like an ABC family movie. <laughs> Because right. this 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 was hilarious. It was blowing up my my Twitter yesterday. <laughs> so, ESPN's esteemed college game day was uh was in Auburn, Alabama yesterday for the Auburn Alabama game, and um, one Auburn student had quite possibly the dumbest sign I've ever seen in game day history, which really is saying a lot because you know there's a lot of clever game day signs. There's also a lot of really stupid ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. but this one, this one is just dumb from both a content standpoint and also a tactical standpoint. So the sign was simple. It just said where legends are paid, except for the a in paid, you know, was the Alabama script a, right. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know what that looks like right now. This was dumb for a couple of reasons. One, like, okay. who Like you're just admitting Alabama has more money than you. That's number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number two, it's legal to pay them now. Like right. I don't like, and again, I don't think anybody was really caring to begin with that. Um, you know, people have been paying players before. Three, two of the three greatest athletes in Auburn history have pretty much more or less straight up said they were paid to go there before it was legal. I mean, everybody knows the Cam Newton situation. Like mm-hmm. nobody thinks he went there for free, and he, Cam has also more or less straight up said that. Charles Barkley also has straight up said he did not go to Auburn for free. So there's that as well. I you know, t- basically tweeted a picture of this to, 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 you know, to roast the dude be like, this is dumb. Do they can be paid now? And this is the fourth reason of why it's dumb. Alabama's NIL collective literally retweeted my tweet and was like, yeah, we could pay him. Here's the link to donate where we have more money <laughs> than you broke boys. Like, it was all like and all these Alabama fans are like, thank you for giving us a recruiting pitch. Like, come to Alabama. We will get you paid. You will make a lot of money. Like, like, dude could not have owned himself harder and owned Auburn harder than he did with that sign. You know, I have quite a few Alabama accounts following me, which, by the way, follow me on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. They actually turned it into a T-shirt and were selling T-shirts by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and Alabama beats Auburn. It was just. Nothing but salt in this guy's wounds is a total like, cell phone. Could, like you said, could, could could not have executed this more poorly. Honestly, like <laughs> I, I, 
like, oh, go to Alabama only because they pay you to go there. It's like, yeah, come to Alabama if you want free cars and a bunch of freaking money. Like, that's like, that's about as good of a recruiting pitch as I could possibly hear. Like, you know, if you're like, just I, I hate to break it to everybody here, you know, ear earmuffs if you if you don't like hearing this kind of thing, but. You know, most most big time college athletes don't go to your school because they just have some deep love for your school. You know, they, they go to your school because of coaches and because of dollars. Right. And then if they if they ever have love for your school, they develop it while they're there. Spoiler alert. I know this is crazy. I know some of you are like melting and dying upon hearing this. But um, yeah, like, I mean, literally this guy, I mean, Alabama should hang this picture in the basketball offices. Like if they, they really don't, should. they're stupid. Like this is just the best recruiting pitch ever. Like, oh, he, he, you know, when, when when the next Brandon Miller walks through, you know, on, mm-hmm. a, on a recruiting visit, NATO's points to the picture of, see, look, man, even the Auburn fans know we're going to pay you a ton of money. Even our rivals admit we got them beat. Yeah, it's uh, again self self owner of the century, and then yeah, Alabama takes care of business on the court. That that uh, that Brandon Miller dunk, and then the subsequent face was uh, was pretty hilarious. Yeah, doesn't get any better. Absolutely perfect spot for us to put a pin in it this week. Remember, please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Five-star review. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. Make sure you follow KSD at Pregame Empire. And we'll see you guys next time on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast.